The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like waiting for sex, making friends, anxiety, <laughs> and toxic masculinity. <laughs> but first, we want to give you all our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We're not professionals. Um, we didn't go to a retreat on helping other people's relationships. Although I would do that. Yeah, I think it would probably be good for us to actually <laughs> yeah, do like that. to do some professional development around. <laughs> right. Do some learning. Yeah, totally. Instead of just, do you know, some learning. <laughs> just like making shit up all the time. I'm, that's going to be my new online insult. Like when I'm arguing with trolls do on Twitter. Do some learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this is all to say we are just here to offer our humble advice to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So please take our advice as you see fit. Welcome to episode 28. 28. 28. Great. <laughs> um, what was I doing when I was 28? Not being 30. That's all I can remember. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what, um, what I was doing in 28. Once you get to the late 20s, it all blurs together, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I think I was just kind of, oh, I graduated college. Ooh. Undergrad, got my undergrad degree when I was 28. That's great. Yeah, I actually loved going back to school when I was in my later years mm -hmm. because I was like, first of all, I'm not here to make friends, freshmen. <laughs> 
But more importantly, I like took it like I took it seriously, like it was my job, Mm -hmm. you know? So I ended up learning a lot more than I think I would normally, Uh, or not normally, but like when I was younger, at least when I was younger, I just wasn't there. I was just trying to go read my poems at an open mic and have sex with somebody I had a crush on, you know, (laughs) those are my primary goals. Yeah. Accurate. That was great when you graduated because I went to your graduation and then we got mimosas. Yeah, and then I you actually, had a graduation party. <laughs> I have a picture of us from that mimosa party mm-hmm. <laughs> in which I'm wearing my cap, my graduation cap, and we're both wearing sunglasses and we're both sticking our tongue out. And it's on my fridge right now, which is where we are in, <laughs> in, your my, in my apartment. And I'll explain that in two seconds. But before that, I want to say at my graduation party at 28 years old, we played... Champagne pong. Champong. Champong instead of beer pong. (laughs) Yeah, and it was awesome. (laughs) You're going to make everyone think that we're like these elites who can afford to just like. No, I'm pretty sure it it was Andre, first of all. It was probably $4 a bottle (laughs) and like lukewarm. And it It was was lukewarm. It was so good though. It was great. Yeah. I had so much fun. Yeah. Anyway, so we're in my apartment right now because Big Cats, is, we normally record in Big Cats at home studio, but Big Cats's wife, Mrs. Cats, is um, <laughs> feeling under the weather. So he brought his mobile studio into my apartment. So if you hear any weird like licking or chewing noises, it's, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it is my best friend, Sam, <laughs> or it's my dog, Opal, in the corner um, being dramatic. She's probably just sleeping right now. Let me look. Nope, nope, she's, she's licking her paws like a psychopath. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so our check-in topic today, yeah. we have some letters about, like, time passing in relationships, mm-hmm. and it made me think, like, um, what are the pros and cons of a new relationship, and then what are the pros and cons of an old relationship? Oh. Yeah. I mean, is that a good enough question, or do we want to just talk more openly about it? I think that sounds great. Okay. Pro of a new relationship, go. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, getting to know someone is always super exciting. Yeah. And there's like just the newness of it all. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, you're talking about their body, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and next time I see a naked person, it's going to say, oh, man. Yeah, but that feeling of like, oh, I think I really like you. Totally. Oh, yeah. The yeah. honeymoon. It's like pre-honeymoon. It's like the engagement yeah. period where yeah. you're like, oh, my God. This is happening. I'm getting married. But in reality, you're just, you're like, oh, shit, I really like this person. Yeah. And they're like all you think about. And you get to like talk about them to your friends. Yeah. 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 That's really sweet. And also like the feeling of like slipping into a relationship, I think, um, Mm -hmm. is special to me where all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I really care about this person. And it's going well and not terribly, you know, (laughs) or like, I'm not like turned off by them the way they eat or, you know, uh, the way they text. (laughs) Do you ever dislike the way someone texts Uh constantly English major? What's up? (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Um, yeah. Cause I'm like a person that I've gotten better about it, but like used to text in complete sentences. Now you text me one word responses and it triggers my attachment (laughs) style. I literally panic. Sam will say, I'll, I'll be like, something, I'll be like, blah, 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 send him like a thousand word text with 80 emojis. And then he'll just say, yes. And then I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, he's mad at me. <laughs> um, 
Okay, but what I hate is the thing like that everyone does now where they just like like your text. Oh, I love on that. IPhone. I hate it. Oh my God. I'm going to love every text message you've ever sent me. <laughs> I'm going to go back and send you a thousand. Sierra Mulder loves your text message. No, because when it's like, you know, people are like, okay, got it. Like understand what you're saying. And then they, they like give you a thumbs up. And I'm like, is that condescending? Like, what are you doing to me? Affirming that I got the message. Yeah, I know. I get that. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't read it negatively. <laughs> I love doing this podcast with you because I truly get to know you deep, more, much more deeply than I knew you before. And I, I thought I knew you well before, well, and now I understand you like, like a toy I could take apart and put back together. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> That's exactly what I want people to know about me. <laughs> anyway, um, new relationships. I think, um, like, sex is always fun in the beginning. Or not. Totally true. God, you're so right. (laughs) You're so right. I was a fool. I was a fool. Sometimes Uh, it is, like, and that's great. But, like, sometimes it's like, what are you doing with... You're totally right. Actually, that's so true. I think, looking back on it, I think some of my best relationships, the first time we had sex, it was like... Yeah. And then, like, once I got over, like, the awkward period, you know... Or, like, I'm like, let me do this again. Take right. two. Let's try this again and be a little less rigid. <laughs> rigid. <laughs> I hope that's how Peter describes you at Fed. <laughs> it's rigid. Honestly, we should ask him. Yeah. <laughs> I should text him right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's not just that. I, I brought up sex twice. <laughs> um, I love, uh, I think what you said, like, about when you're thinking about them all the time, when you're like, oh, my God, and you're, like, doing your dishes, and you're like, Oh, my God, I can't wait to see them. Or I love experiencing things with people. Like, that's honestly why I love being a dog owner or, like, would potentially want to be a mother one day is that I love, like, watching people experience things. So it sounds silly, but even with my dog, um, I love to, like, take her places to see her experience things. That was even more true with my old dog who passed away. He was just, like, so I could take him anywhere, and he had such a funny response to things. So I, like, loved giving him experiences. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, romantically, like, I love, in the beginning, I love, like, oh, my God, first road trip. Oh, my God, first, uh, even, like, shopping trip together or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, First vacation or or. Or first holiday, I think that's a really exciting time. Yeah. What about you? You're in a several-year married relationship. What are the good things? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's start with the good things. Did we Just talk kidding. about cons for new relationships, or are we not going to? Is okay, that yeah, too let's, triggering? Let's do, no, the, <laughs> let's do the cons. Let's do, let's do the pros and cons of each set. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go. Got it. Cons. cons. Um, what if you don't think, like them? Thinking about the person all the fucking time. Yeah, totally. That would drive you insane. <laughs> it's the worst. You would stop dating someone literally to clear your brain up. Honestly, <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, okay, so cons. Um, for me, I just hate breaking up with people. Um, and I'm really bad at it. So I don't know why I fucking host a podcast. I'll just break up. <laughs> um, but so like when if things start to not be good, I, it's I just hate it. Yeah. To be honest, for like a minute in my life, I just was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to date because I didn't want to get to that place. But that's true of short and long term relationships. Totally. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. I'm already depressed talking about the cons of long term relationships. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is a terrible I'm check-in topic. In, yeah. <laughs> no, but I have been in a long-term relationship that ended, and that was, you Ugh. know. Let's not talk about that. Okay. I don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> Literally a different, sadder episode. Okay. Uh, other cons. Um, to be honest, I think this might not be a con, but is it is a challenge mm-hmm. of, like, n- uh, rearranging your life to fit them in. Yeah. And I think rearranging it in a way that's sustainable and responsible and uh, respectable to the life you had before. Yeah. I, I'm always, like, I try to be thoughtful about, or at least as I get older, like, um, how they fit in with my social life. Like, mm-hmm. am I hanging out with my friends enough? Am I um, doing my work? You know, like, if I'm self-employed, like, am I prioritizing my work over this new shiny thing that I want to make out with? Right. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Another one that might not be too fun for a new relationship is building trust for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's um, hard. I yeah. Think for a lot of people. I think that that, that has, like... In the past, I have felt like a month or two into a good relationship, new relationship, I felt like a spike of, oh, my God, is this person going to crush me like a little bug? Mm-hmm. And all of my paranoia comes out. Yeah, I think that's legit. Yeah. Also, like, just showing them parts of yourself that you don't show oh, not fun. other people yeah. can or be rewarding. very rewarding. You're right, you're right. You're right. But it is also like... uh you are seeing this weird part of me that no one else gets to see. Like, what are you going to think about it? Or like, how are they going to react to you telling them about something in your past? And totally. What about long-term relationships? Let's talk about the bad first and then go out <laughs> on the good. Okay, great. Um, I think getting into, oh, this is one thing. When you're, when I'm with someone for a really long time, I accidentally put them to the farthest back burner mm-hmm. when I'm under stress or dealing with some with anything like a crisis yeah. or a conflict or I'm busy or whatever I always think well because they're my partner and because I know them so intimately I'll deal with them later and that's like I'm paraphrasing an entire situation there but I think that is a really common thing that we treat are the person we are closest to the worst at times of stress because we know like there's an assumption that they will just be there you know, at least I have been really guilty of that in the past. Oh, for sure. And feeling that, too, from your partner as well. Yeah. Like, I think it's easy to take people that you've been in a long-term relationship with for granted. Yes, absolutely. I'm and to be taken for sure for guilty of that, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there's also, like, the making space for them, like, in your idea of what your life was going to look like. Because, yes. like, you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, we're in this together. And so now every decision that I make about my life has to at least consider mm. you, um, which I think is like a good thing, but also can be like, it can alter your worldview or what your perspective of your life was going to look like. Right. Totally. That is really interesting. Like, how do you confidently move forward in a long-term committed relationship in a way that honors the relationship, but also separately and equally honors yourself? I think that's maybe some of the head and heart work that we're trying to do. Absolutely. All right. Let's close out on the pros of long-term relationships. You don't have to try anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Let's leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, Yes. You know, not like. I'm kidding. You do have to try still. But like it's much easier to just like exist with each other. Yeah. How about that? Is that the existence is so much easier? Yes. Okay. Cool. Let's get into our letters. Okay. 
So our first letter comes from Vanessa N., who is writing from Los Angeles. Uh, Vanessa writes, hey, Sam and Sierra, I hate cleaning my apartment, but love your show. And somehow every week you make me look forward to it so I can listen to your banter and wonderful question. Thank you. My question is slightly roundabout, but deals with our favorite topics, set relationships and sexual dysfunction. (laughs) To note, I'm a cisgender 26-year-old female. Background. I have vaginismus, which in simplest non-medical terms means my vagina likes to go, you shall not pass to anything that comes (laughs) near it, even when wanted. However, this question isn't about the vaginismus at all. After working uh, on it the last four and a half years, I currently have about a 75-25 success rate of penetration. I lost my virginity to my college boyfriend shortly after we started dating, and we didn't quite know how to work around my pain. When the diagnosis finally occurred a few years in, our relationship in the bedroom was dying. We almost went the entirety of our one year living together without doing anything sexual. We turned into roommates instead of lovers. This, among other reasons, is a huge factor in our breakup. Despite my condition, I am a very sexual human being, and through the years I have realized that him and I were never on the same page as far as our wants and needs. I've learned to deal with this issue through casual sex and one night stands, which is an anomaly anomaly in the vaginismus community. <laughs> an anomaly. That's a hard to say. Anemone. <laughs> yeah. I've had fun. I've explored sex with different men, and for the most part, I've uh, I've had positive experiences, even if penetration wasn't involved. However, there have been two times I dated the nice guys and held out on having sex that ended because they couldn't understand what I was going through. As I get older and more settled, I'm starting to look at what it would mean to get into a long-term relationship. I am so scared of getting into a sexist relationship again. I can't seem to marry the idea of being in a relationship with having a fulfilling sex life. I don't want to waste others' time or have them waste mine, so it's hard for me to want to play the long game and wait out to have sex just to be disappointed by their hangups. I feel like I'll never be able to find someone I'm romantically and sexual, sexually compatible with. I know people go through this whenever they, whether they have a sexual dysfunction or not. My vaginismus doesn't define me and hasn't stopped me from having a semi-fulfilling, if sometimes infrequent, sex life. But it has absolutely affected how I approach long-term relationships. Mm. Any advice on how to unpack these issues so I'm able to let love in without being scared of a sexless life? Totally, Vanessa. Thank you so much for this letter. Um, And I also want to just commend you on how you write about your condition and your identity. Um, You just write so confidently about it. And I can totally tell that you do not define yourself by it, but you acknowledge all the way that it's impacted your life and then some. um, And I'm just super excited to dive into this letter. Absolutely. I think it's uh, the fear of a sexless relationship is really uh, common. Mm-hmm. especially when it comes to long-term, like, long relationships, you know? For sure. I think that there is a myth that all long-term relationships eventually turn sexless. Yeah. Like, you just, like, lose interest in the other yeah, person. Yeah, I want to like... ask you about that. It, do you think that myth is real? No. Oh, because <laughs> it's a myth. <laughs> That's why I use the word myth. Okay, smart ass. <laughs> well, tell me about it. Like, like, tell me how you feel about that. I think that it's normal for relationships. Okay, I'm only talking through my experience at this yeah. point, but I think it's normal for relationships to like not <laughs> tell it to three thousand strangers. <laughs> but from my experience and my conversations with others, yes, it seems like it's normal for relationships to like for you to have less sex than you do when you first meet each other because like 
the newness has worn off, but like the people that I know are in long-term relationships that talk about it aren't like continuing to have sex. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that maybe, uh, and this is totally me being hypothetical about this. (laughs) You have also been in long-term relationships. No, totally. But we know what happened there. Um, what, what I was going to say is I think as part of that myth is influenced by um, a uh, sexism, mm-hmm. the idea that like we like to paint one dimensional characters or caricatures of the sexes. Mm-hmm. And in heterosexual relationships, people assume like women are the ones that are always, quote, quote, like getting headaches and like, yeah. you know, losing their sex drives or whatever. And men are going to always want to have sex always because they are cavemen. Right. And another thing that I think contributes to this myth about sexless long term relationships is that we don't want to picture our parents having sex. <laughs> to yeah, be honest. no, that's, that's right. Very is that true. we just assume that like our grandparents and our parents and our like uncles and aunts and uh, all of our professors aren't fucking like you know. Awesome Honestly, freaks. I would have really enjoyed imagining some of my professors fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call that Professor Zaddy syndrome. <laughs> so yeah, I just think that's like a really common fear um, to have, or or at least an assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vanessa, I just want to validate that um, first. I also like the idea uh, that you, that this question is multifaceted. It's like personal because it's personal to you and your experience and your condition, but it's also very universal because it's basically like, how do I deal with sexual compatibility? When do I delve into that when I'm trying to pursue a long-term relationship? And is that compatibility, if I find it, going to go away? Yeah. Um, So I want to say, Vanessa... Um, in your journey to find your next partner, I'm going to say if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable with having one night stands and casual sex, I'm going to say, like, why wait to have sex with the quote unquote good boys or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that waiting to have sex does not equal the healthy uh foundation for a good relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's real. I, I think that's a fallacy that we tell ourselves that, like, People, you um, if you sleep with somebody on the first date, they're not going to want to date you long term. That's not right. true. Yeah, which I think also comes from like sexist tropes about like men just want to have sex and then they don't want to talk to you anymore. Totally, totally. Um, so I, especially if it's important to you and this part of your life is a little bit more nuanced, um, I say you don't have to have sex on the first date if you don't want to, but like you don't have to. You can have casual sex with somebody you're potentially going to date more seriously, mm-hmm. and that's going to help you. F- if you're comfortable with that, if your body's comfortable with that, that's going to help you feel out how to have those conversations with them, if you're sexually compatible at all, what they're into, what you like. And and to be honest or completely transparent about my life, that's kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always have sex on the first date. I have a couple times, um, but... I tend to have sex sooner than later because sexual compatibility is so important to me. Sure. Um, Because having sex with somebody that I don't enjoy having sex with can be actually really triggering for me. Mm. So I kind of like to figure that shit out early. I get that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, as long as you are – if you're – 
so you're asking us, Vanessa, basically like how to keep yourself, how do, how do you pave the way to this next relationship? Um, you know this just as well as we do, but just um, to reiterate, like communicating with your partners, not being ashamed of this. Um, I think that uh, I can say this pretty confidently, but like if you can speak clearly and confidently about your sexual desires and needs and wants, that's going to intimidate the wrong men and turn on the right ones. <laughs> you know, like if, the, mm. if if somebody is like turned off by the fact that you want to talk about like how you want to and can have sex, um, then that's not the right person for you. Absolutely. And it sounds like from your letter that you like are very comfortable talking about what this means for you and for your body. And so um, if you can bring that same confidence that you have talking with us to having conversations with potential partners, I think that you're going to do great. In yeah. That. Do you have any more advice? I feel like I'm just telling you to like fuck earlier. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I'm ready to like sign off on that. I, I really love this letter because I did want to talk about the idea of um, sexlessness in relationships. Oh, so maybe let's talk about like, how do you combat that once you are in a more committed relationship? Um, I mean, I think it is about like committing to to having sex. I mean, like, yeah, totally. I mean, it's not, it sounds unsexy and uncool to say it, but like to say like, okay, well, you know, we should probably have sex at some point like this weekend or something. Cause we haven't I done love, it for a while. <laughs> I love that you said unsexy because I think a lot of relationships in like the later years is unsexy yeah. and unpassionate and more purposeful mindful and scheduled. <laughs> yeah. And, that and might... I think that's like, honestly a pro. Right. Totally. Like being in a long-term relationship <laughs> is that you get to like schedule things around your time. That mindful relationship book that I really love 25 mm, tips for a mindful relationship or something like that. Mm. It was one of the blind dates that are now listed on our Instagram. Um, but it talks about scheduling like monthly check-ins right. or scheduling um, every six months, you and your partner go on a weekend away. Like you really do have to put so much intentionality into maintaining vulnerability and intimacy in your relationship. And that's the same thing for sex. So like that sounds like the antithesis of what we've taught, what we were taught sex to be yeah. is saying what you just said. But I love that you said, hey, we should probably have sex this weekend. <laughs> like that sounds like... That sounds like the least sexy thing ever, but I love that you just said it like that because I believe in that type of approach, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, yeah. But, I mean, there are also things that you can do to, like, Whipped spice cream. it up. Porn. Like, yeah. Like Nipple clamps. Little high heels <laughs> with, like, feathers on them. Oh, my God. I love <laughs> that's what you think of women's sexuality. That's what Carrie Bradshaw did when she was trying to get Burger to like have good sex with her. Oh my god! It didn't. It didn't work. So maybe that's not actually a good one. Are you just? Are you imagining the fembots from Austin Powers? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you that, think? Of, I like, saw that movie and was like, I'm definitely not into women. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. But okay. I'm glad we brought up that too because. I want to say that there are a million awesome sexual resources and kinky things out there that you can do yep. to make your sex life more exciting. But I want to couple that with what we were saying before is that like not all sex is naughty or passionate or um, uh, 
mind-blowing. Sometimes it's just a way to show love or to be mm-hmm. intimate or to remind yourself of like, this is your partner and your body is capable of feeling this and oh, for sure. showing love in this way. But also like, yeah, girl, get that vibrator. Like yeah. try maybe like pegging him. <laughs> Taking a turn. I'm, I am. This is why we have an explicit sign or That's like true. a thing on our iTunes. Also, we say fuck a lot. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> um, my dad, who has never listened to the podcast because um, oh. uh, he doesn't have a smartphone or an internet um, or electricity in the cabin that he lives in, honestly. Or in the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he lives in a studio cabin in the woods. Um, uh, yeah, with no electricity. He's like a mountain man, hermit man. Yeah. Anyway, um, but he always asked about the podcast, and he he called me, and he was like, oh, I just ran into a, fr- a friend of the family who apparently listened to our podcast and told him that she really loved it and that it was good, and she listened with her daughter. Um, uh, hi, Nicola, if you hear this. <laughs> and she, her Nicola's mom was like, hey, uh, yeah, it's really good. I really enjoy it. But Sierra says fuck a lot. <laughs> Okay, because I like curse with my dad, but uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I know. Um, anyway, uh, you know, explore your sexuality in however ways, in whatever ways you can, but also mm-hmm. remember that sexuality, like any other form of intimacy, takes a lot of work and commitment mm-hmm. and scheduling. Um, yeah, but Vanessa, yeah. you can do it. Um, you can find that partner out there, and you can create a relationship to look like whatever you want it to look like. Absolutely. You can manifest it and put work into it and sculpt it to be what you want to be, what it, what you want it to be. So good luck. We hope this helps. We love you. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter is from Chloe DeMuller. Looks like my last name, but isn't. <laughs> Who is writing to us from Liverpool, England. Oh, wow. I know. Hi, Sam and Sierra. My question is not about a romantic relationship, but a platonic one. I'm 25, and due to life and different events, I find myself without friends at the moment. I had a really close group of friends when I left school. However, my closest friend got pregnant at 19. At that point, the rest of our friend groups stopped bothering with her. And because I didn't want her to be left out, I chose to stay in with her and the baby. So in the end, I lost touch with them as well. That friend is still part of my life, but she is now married and does not like to do things without her husband, which is totally fine and it is their dynamic, but it's not always great being the third wheel. I have spoke to her about it, that every so often it would be good to not be um, the third wheel, but it's not something she wants to do at the moment. I keep hoping that once they have been married for a while, the novelty might wear off, but I can't wait around forever. I tried using Bumble BFFs, shout out to your sponsorship deal, <laughs> but nothing has really progressed as not that many people use it in my area. I read not so long ago that making the first move isn't just for romantic relationships, so I've also been putting myself out there more and more going to events um, that I'm interested in with the hopes of finding someone with similar interests, still platonic, such as photography classes or open mic nights, but I've been... I've found that the people there tend to go in already established groups. And while they are always nice when I try to have a conversation, it's not it's nothing more than a pleasant small talk. I've recently also joined Twitter to try to put myself out there more. I'm okay with the friendship being long distance, but it's not as easy as it looks. I work in an office as mo um, of mostly people age 40 plus, and we don't have that much in common just because we're in different stages of our lives. Sometimes I can go weeks without having conversations that are, aren't work-related, and it can be really disheartening and lonely. I guess my question is, is there anything else I'm missing, or am I just too old to start new relationships? What would someone have to say to you, for example, to start a conversation with potential to progress? Love your podcast, and any advice would be greatly appreciated. Mm. 
Chloe, what a great letter. I'm so glad you reached out to us. You've got Absolutely. two friends from across the ocean <laughs> who are going to give you some unprofessional advice. <laughs> um, I'll start. Great. I think your old, uh, your friends suck. <laughs> Just kidding. They don't. They don't suck. That was a joke. But I do want to say, like, your old friends, um, it, it's interesting that they abandoned your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't suck at all because I'm about to say uh, my very first piece of advice is um, maybe try to reach out to those old friends. Yeah. I think that we paint a lot bigger walls around old relationships than we think, you know, especially friend ones, especially ones that we think might have gone south or maybe trickled away or something like that. Um, And I think that if you reached out to some of those people, if, if, if you feel the desire to still to be their friends, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that they left your life in a malicious way or in a way that in which they didn't like you or anything from Mm -hmm. what you've told me. And so I just want to give you a little push in that direction to remind you that like people forgive really easily. People accidentally forget to call for weeks and months on end, which turns into years. Like people uh, drift apart really easily and it takes one phone call or a text message or a Facebook message to reconnect. So that was my first thing. Your friends don't suck. I'm sorry for saying that. (laughs) don't like that they abandoned you were rude for sure yeah well but who knows that is a hard age like i i moved away from a lot of my high school friends and but but like chloe like you could i reconnected with them a couple years later and 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 have really strong relationships with a couple friends from my high school so um what's up jessica just saying hi (laughs) um anyway uh yeah um also, speaking of your friends, I also want to say, like, your friend who had the baby, um, it's really kind of you to be so understanding um, that she is in a relationship now, a married relationship with children. So, like, her life does operate differently than yours, not just yep. because she has a partner, but because, you know, uh, it just is it's it's operating with different um, things in mind. Um but it is disheartening to hear that she can't um, meet you where you're at, at least a little, because you stuck around for her. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and I think we um, we all have friends that have, like, entered relationships or had a um, – or, like, had a life change like a baby. And it is still super important to be, like – to sometimes be, like, can we have a little yeah. one-on-one time? Totally. Um because it is important to connect with your friends that are in relationships without their significant other there. Yeah. Yeah. All um, good relationships have balance like that. Absolutely. But um, to go back to your, after we insulted all your friends, <laughs> or your potential friends, uh-huh. um, to go to your um, question, uh, you're not missing anything, but we do have some suggestions. First, I want to commend you for putting yourself out there. It sounds like you're really putting a um, purposeful effort into meeting new people. Yep. And I love that you're open to long-distance friendships. I love that you're going to these open mics and starting these conversations. Like, I just feel my heart is warmed by that. Absolutely. Um, something that I want to add to uh, – your list already is well. First, I want to say making friends um, as you get older gets harder and harder and harder. It does. Unfortunately, sure. that's just real. Yep. Right. 
But it does sound like you're doing all of the right things and right. all of the things that we have told other listeners to be yeah, doing. Like totally. you are like you're putting yourself out there for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. So the question is like, what are, you know, what are some of the things that you could do? And I'm thinking maybe things that are like longer term hmm. so that you are with the same people, you know, week after week or month after month. So like, I love the idea of doing like a book club. Yes. Like joining one of those. My friends um, who moved to Seattle made her friends by starting a book club. I mean, she's a gregarious and amazing person and like just like brings all people close to her, but like started a, there's like a, I should have looked this up before this letter, but there's like a, an organization where you can actually, like they give you the book. It like happens nationally. Oh, and cool. so you can like establish it in your city. Oh, cool. Um, and so all you have to do is just like sign up Yeah. Uh, and there's like a fee to, and to join it. But basically then you become like the host of this national book club. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I don't know if it exists in the UK, but, um, but that I, the idea of a book club, I think is great because like, even if people come together, at least you're all having like a group conversation um, and talking about a specific thing. So you don't have to be like small talky. You're actually sort of diving into something. So maybe a book club would be good. Yeah, totally. I also think um, I am not athletic <laughs> <laughs> and I won't make the assumption that anyone is, but I will, I'll, I will put out the suggestion of some sort of teamwork-esque activity. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds, um, athletic <laughs> and maybe it is though. There's like adult kickball leagues, right? Yeah, right? You can yeah. join a, a gym and go to like a regular class. Yep. Um, but there is also different types of meetups that maybe like a volunteer activity, um, or I don't know, like, are there like gaming things or something that involves that, that necessitates an instant conversation, right. Mm -hmm. With other people. Yep. And that that's not something that you have to start and feel rejected for, you right. know? And Absolutely. that's why I say teamwork. I, I don't really know off the top of my head other than like book clubs or like maybe a social justice group or like an environmentalism org or some sort of um, volunteer cleanup where you have, where there is an engagement with the people that you're going there with. Right. Um, or if you're going to volunteer, see if you can volunteer for a longer term project, you mm -hmm. know? Yep. Um, uh, because in that way, you're not always, you, you don't feel like you're putting yourself out there um, yep. at the risk of any type of rejection. You're there for like a bigger t uh unified purpose that yep. you can find a commonality with. Absolutely. Um, and then I, another thing I want to say is if you find yourself in that social situation where you're returning, you're seeing the same people over and over again, or like, or maybe you're having a really good conversation with somebody at an open mic or something. Mm -hmm. um, maybe one of the first moves is to, to, to be really vulnerable and say like, Hey, you know, I'm new to this, scene or this city or to yeah. this organization um would you like to get coffee with me or or do you want to get a beer after this um yeah. uh, i'll treat i just want to like um get to know some people better or whatever like absolutely i don't necessarily know if that's the perfect script but i think i would say something like that i've honestly given my number out to servers before who i wanted to be friends with oh no. <laughs> That's none, awesome. None of them have called me. Okay, so maybe that's not a good way to do it. <laughs> maybe. I know. I can think of twice. Um, Big but, Cats is, like, blushing for me. <laughs> he's well, embarrassed. Sometimes I just, I for a long time, I've really craved, like, uh, friendships with other women. Yeah. 
But I think that what I like about the asking if they want to get a drink, like like if you're in a class being like immediately afterwards being like, hey, do you want to like stop over at the nearby bar to, yeah. to like continue the, the socialization that's already right. happening? Right. And if you can make friends with one person, you can make friends with their friends as well. Totally. That's what I've done with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have four friends in the Twin Cities if I don't count Sam's friends. <laughs> um, but that's what, so my best friend from high school and I moved up to the, to Minneapolis together. Yeah. And for a while after college, like we were the two that hung out with each other. We had friends that we were friends with that had moved away. And so it was just us two. And we had to be really intentional about like calling on our extended networks and trying to like infiltrate the friend group. Totally. Like we were like, okay, so um, we got this invite, this Facebook invite to this party where there's going to be like all of these people. Like it was not just like a, yeah. a me and Merrick invited thing, but we're had, but we were like, we have to go to this because we have to like get face with totally. these people and have totally. conversations so that the next time that they have a party, they, they remember to invite us. And like, that's what, we did, and then I started dating Peter, and they were then they couldn't be rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. But like, I think it it has to be, unfortunately, and not even unfortunately, it does have to be that intentional about like thinking about like networking in a in kind of a gross way but like when you're an adult that's sort yeah, of that's how you have to like. be like yeah. because you're right the word infiltrate is so real because Chloe writes about it in her letter like I, I know the feeling of going to like an open mic in which there's a pre-established social group there yep and either I was in that social group and I saw quote unquote outsiders or I felt like an outsider before oh, for sure um Chloe uh I also want to say, um, I know in the States that we have something called like meetup.com. Mm-hmm. I think that's the website. <laughs> I think so. I love I get misquoting things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can either start a meetup based on something or you can go to it. Like I mm-hmm. think um, back during our election season, um, I signed up to, to get alerts about uh, – um, people who wanted to meet up for racial justice. And um, that was when I was in a new city and I planned on going to them. I didn't because of travel purposes, but I looked into that and that was really helpful. I don't know if that's in England, but you could check that out or check out some sort of research or, or not re- research, but resource yep. like that. And I think the last thing I want to say to you directly, Chloe, is that you're doing everything right. It's yep. just hard. And yep. I and I want your heart to take a moment to feel like our virtual hug from across the ocean. Absolutely. That we know this is hard. We know this can be disheartening. Um, but you're doing everything right. And um, it was a joy to talk to you today. Absolutely. And I want to call on all of us who aren't Chloe mm-hmm. to be more open to people approaching us for friendship. Because I think we can often close our hearts to new people that aren't romantic. Right. But we all have the opportunity to make new friends and to meet awesome new people and to bring people into yeah. our our love and oftentimes and I feel like I, I lean into the comfort of my friendships too much. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't want to make myself uncomfortable to lean out. Yeah. And I think that this is a great reminder that like there are a lot of really amazing people out there and Absolutely. at least three thousand of them listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you, Chloe. Thanks for writing. Thank you. Uh, Our next letter comes from Des uh, from Texas. And uh, Des writes, 
Hey guys, I wanted to say first that I love you guys so much. I listen to you every day on the way to college. It's about 20 minutes away, so I hear the first half there and the second half on the way back. I will legit be crying sometimes because of how passionate y'all are with responding, Mm. which is why I need your help. I am currently in a relationship with this guy, and he is amazing. We've been dating for three months now, but we've been friends for almost two years. He's the sweetest thing ever, but since I'm his first girlfriend, I want to be a better version of myself because it's kind of like I'm starting from scratch. I want to be better because I feel like I'm a Venus flytrap. After a boy and I get comfortable, I just attack and eat them up whole and emotionally hurt them. I'll get mad at them because of some insignificant thing, or if they want to hang out with their friends, I'll be mad because they don't want to be with me. I don't mean to do this, but it always happens. I try so hard not to get like this because I like them so much. I just can't seem to keep my emotions under control, and I don't want to lose him. Mm. I feel angry. I hate feeling angry, and I oftentimes feel like I'm manipulative, even though when I told him how I feel, he reassures me that it's not the case. Sometimes I think I'm so toxic for someone, I shouldn't even be dating anyone. After an argument that's actually only coming from my side, I'll come to my senses and apologize with a handwritten letter. I've written three so far. I am tired of draining the people I'm with to the point where they feel the need to leave. I don't know what to do or how to control myself because his ability to deal with my outbursts makes me believe that we can really last together. Thank you all so much. Des, what a great letter. Thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability. And I think that you're doing the right thing by taking the step to do the head and heart work to make yourself a more whole um, person. Absolutely. Um, because it sounds like from what you've written, it sounds like you're dealing with a lot of uh, reactions that come from insecurity or maybe jealousy or anxiety. Yep. Um, but you're, you are doing the right thing by recognizing that those reactions aren't always authentic. They're not, mm. they might be the thing that comes to the surface first, yep. but they're not what is underneath. They're not what your soul wants you to do. Absolutely. And I think I relate to that really deeply. I mean, that's a lot about what my head and heart work, my personal head and heart work is all about yeah. is granting myself the opportunity to have an authentic response instead of a reaction mm-hmm. instead of like a knee jerk um i'm upset with you i'm fe- my my i'm triggered i'm sparked to feel i'm my emotions have spiked or whatever yep. instead of having that be my reaction instead yep. i can now as i grow older and 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 journey further <laughs> down this long journey into myself. Thanks, yep. Rumi. Um, now that I'm older, I can I can interpret those uh, or original reactions or those initial reactions to what I what am I really feeling Absolutely. and how can I act on them? Yep. So I really love that you are pushing yourself to examine like this. And I'm gonna start by saying it's a long road ahead of you. But <laughs> but it's the right road. Absolutely. Right? And I think um, what what we're not encouraging you to do is to shut off all emotion, right? right? You have the right to an emotional response. Um, what we're, we're talking about is that is that feeling those feelings that come up that aren't how you're actually feeling, but are but are tied to something else that is right. triggering them, right? Right, and so those feelings of jealousy or those feelings of I'm mad at you because you don't want to hang out with me are not necessarily what you're you're actually feeling, right? They are tied to 
I feel insecure because it to me it feels like I'm not worthy because he's choosing to hang out with someone else right. and not with me. Right. Right? That's the actual emotional response that you're having. The reaction of anger is not how you want to express that. Right. Right? And so there that, are— Because that, that's the Venus flytrap that you're talking about. Right. Absolutely. And we have all been there. I, totally. Like, I still get triggered by people where I'm just like, I can feel the like the anger rise in me that I'm like, I want to lash out, but have— done the work to be able to like flex the muscle to say like this isn't what this is about this isn't what this is about like 100 percent. what is like what is actually making me this angry what what am i feeling that i need to be able to express to this person right and for me um i i 100 relate to the idea of not being chosen you know mm-hmm. like that insecurity of like oh my god you, you're choosing something over me like i'm being abandoned yeah. you know or like i am not good enough <laughs> or, or it is it is a constant internal monologue right right um, but another one I'll share, um, because I think it's really universal too, is being disappointed. Is that like we don't always know how to um experience disappointment when we were really looking forward to something and it doesn't turn out the way we wanted it to based on what something did or mm-hmm. so what someone did or something. Um, like as simple as um somebody says they're gonna uh make dinner and then Maybe you come home and they didn't make dinner and all of a sudden it's like you were looking forward to something and, you, and, and, yeah. and maybe you're, you, your first reaction is to snap at them. Like, why didn't they make dinner? Mm-hmm. You know, when in reality it's like it was just a misunderstanding or, yeah. or something else come up or whatever. Like you can make dinner right there. It's not a big deal. But because you were looking forward to it, whatever that is, yeah. you – a lot of times we have um, reactionary emotions that are spiked, you yep. know. And for me, it's like I get really excited about something, and then I yep. have, to, and, and then if I'm disappointed, I have to truly allow myself the processing time to figure sure. out what I really am feeling there, which is disappointment. I'm bummed, right? But that's okay. It's okay to be bummed or or whatever. Absolutely, and I think that for people who run high on anxiety, who me what? <laughs> I just run uh, high in general. Yeah, right. Um, I think that there's also a feeling in these moments of like, like uh, you're so hard on yourself and you're trying so hard all the time that yeah. when like people disappoint you or people uh, choose to spend time with other people or people don't pick you, it's like, do you not see how hard I'm trying right. all the time? Totally. Um, and that frustration com- can come out. Um and so, like, there are a multitude of different reasons why you might be reacting in this, like, angry way. But I can tell you that it's not, like, the anger is not the emotion that you're actually trying to work through. Right. Totally. Okay. So, with that all being said, yep. <laughs> it's a lot of work to do what we're talking about. This is something that I, I feel really confident right now in my life and my ability to apologize and, art- and re-articulate what I really mean. But I, st- I have yet to get to the point where I can always catch my reactions. Does that make sense? Yeah. You made a face. Oh, I think there's like a bat out the window. Oh. <laughs> like startled me. <laughs> anyway, continue. I'm all ears. Time out for a second, though. It is weird recording in a new place, it, no, isn't it? Definitely it? Is. Like, I, I, we're in my living room right or my dining room right now. I know, and, and you keep looking at yourself in the mirror behind me. Hey, bitch, looking good. I just saw like... What I thought was a face in the window, but I think was like an animal of some sort. That's terrifying because I'm on the second floor. I know. I was like, they're on your balcony. Oh, that's scary. Anyway. In my little devil haunted house. 
Uh, okay, so, um, Des, uh, first things first, um, I, I, one of the muscles you need to strengthen is your belief in your partner. Mm-hmm. If your boyfriend wants to be with you and he makes time for you and then he wants to go hang out with his friends, you have to believe that he's going to come back and that he still loves you. Yep. The best relationships, I said this early in the episode, but the best relationships have a balance. You yep. cannot hang out with your partner Every day, every minute of every day, that is not sustainable. No. It's not sustainable, and it does not lay a good groundwork for a healthy partnership in the future. Absolutely. You want friends. You want him to have friends. Yep. Because guess what? Like, if he isn't if, – if he doesn't want to hang out with his friends and he wants to hang out with you all the time, and that's fun for, I don't know, the first six months, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you need to do something – Thing. Like you need to go to work or maybe you have a passion project and um, you want to go shopping with your mom or you want to like pursue a podcast with your best friend. <laughs> um, he's going to he he's going to be too codependent and, and attached to you and he's not going to want you to do, have your own life either. So it's a two way street. Absolutely. You got you have to let him have his life. Yep. And what I'm, I'm going to tell you something and I want you to hear this and internalize this. You are worthy regardless of your partner. Right. Right. So your partner picking other or choosing to hang out with other people, your partner disappointing you in some way has no bearing or effect on your worth. And so you don't need to keep such tight reins on him because it, it matters because you like him and you want to be with him, but it has nothing to do with you and your, your inherent worth. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have this emotional reaction because you know in your heart of hearts, in the stillness of your heart, that you are everything that you need and you don't need anyone else to validate for you that for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that when he chooses something other than you, he's not rejecting you. Right. Because the reality is every moment that he's with you, he's not saying, I'm staying with you, I'm staying with you, I'm staying with you. Right. He is inherently with you, right? Because that's the social contract, the emotional contract that you're in right now. Yep. Okay. So that's all of the mumbo jumbo, like hippie woo woo shit that we're going to talk about. <laughs> but like, what are the like tasks yeah. that you can do to start training that, yeah. that muscle? Um, one, I think this is going to sound really cheesy, but I say them at the end of every episode, personal affirmations mm-hmm. to yourself, because what's happening is your attachment style is being triggered. Yep. If you don't know what that is, look that up or listen to the past episodes in which we talk about attachment styles. It sounds like you have a very anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. So when your partner leaves, your anxiety spikes. So how can you have an action plan to respond to your anxiety? Like I am happy, healthy, whole. Um, I'm loving and lovable. Um, I'm, I am a whole person and I'm loved regardless of whether or not my partner is in the same room. Something like that, like saying that to yourself to ground you, to bring you back to, um, to a level headed place. For sure. Right. Right. Maybe it's that when he goes out, you, you spend 10 minutes journaling and you list all of the things that you're, you are grateful for and that you have that aren't your boyfriend. Right. Or maybe it's that you call your best friend and say, hey, I just need a little check-in right now. Everything yeah. is good and everything is great, right? And they say, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's all you need yep. to sort of set you on the right the right path. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's up to you, really. Like, what feels the most comfortable? What's going to be the most effective for you? But what are the actual, like, things that you can do to make yourself not feel that anger when he goes out or 
forgets to text you or whatever it is. Right. Um, that where you can channel that anger into something that is constructive to lead back to, you know, building up your your idea of your worth and your sense of self. Totally. Something I've been doing to uh, placate my anxiety re- mm-hmm. recently has been telling myself um, uh, I'm only going to feel what is absolutely necessary right now, mm. meaning I'm not going to react to something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that for me has been a lot of like worry. I've been, you know, I'm self-employed now, so I worry about money. I worry about, uh, opportunities, things like that, but it's all worry right now. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not broke yet. (laughs) I have not run out of opportunities yet. So I've told myself, well, I'm not going to feel an emotion that isn't warranted yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And so maybe that's true of you and your spouse or your partner, um, like he has not abandoned you yet. Mm-hmm. Him choosing to hang out with his friends, um, th- don't feel an emotion that is unnecessary to this moment because this mm-hmm. moment is just a normal moment in a life. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, what I do when I'm feeling especially anxious is I take a deep breath and I literally say out loud to myself, you're fine, Sam. <laughs> I, I imagine like seven other petty things right before you said that, like, you're going to get over this bitch. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and calm yeah. down. Yeah. No, because like, that's what I would say. Like, that is what I would say to a friend or to like a partner who was freaking right. out. I would be like, hey, hey, you are fine. You're fine. So like, why don't I also do that to myself? Right. Exactly. And saying it out loud, like, cuts out the this, this cycling thoughts. Right. Right. The last thing I'm going to say, Des, is that at the root of all of this is a, um, and this is going to be a little blunt, but I just believe it's 100% true for almost everyone on the planet. <laughs> the root of this is a lack of self-love and self-acceptance, yeah. but a true sense of self, a true sense of wholeness comes from within and your ability to love is is very pivotal to your ability to love yourself. Um, and so a lot of this reaction versus response stuff gets stronger as you get stronger internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I won't give you any specific recommendations, but I will say that Sam and I always point to self-love resources, point to therapy, point to whatever it is to get you to have a stronger relationship with yourself. Yep. Um, and that when your partner leaves you or triggers this sensation of panic, you're not going to immediately feel inadequate or feel hurt. Instead, you can go to that reservoir of self-love mm-hmm. and say, I am happy, healthy, whole with or without my partner right next to me. But I have enough. Um, I'm granting myself the privilege of a, of a response to know that he loves me. Yep. Um, and that he is just living his life like I want him to. Absolutely. All right. If you guys hear that grinding noise in the background, <laughs> that is my dog chewing on a bone. She's going ham on that bone. Well, it's kind of like her her toothbrush. Sorry to interrupt that very nice, <laughs> like, self-love <laughs> mantra-filled <laughs> monologue. But I just heard her grinding it in the background. <laughs> um, Des, we love you. We believe in you, and I love that you're starting this journey of self-reflection. It's it's a long journey, but it's worth it, girl. Like, keep pushing it. Be that most authentic version of yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for writing. Thank you. 
All right, the last letter is from Autumn Finn, who is writing to us from Minneapolis. Oh, my God. I know, right here. Maybe that was the face I saw on the window. Oh, my God, that's terrifying, <laughs> terrifying, terrifying that you told me it was a face. I thought it was a bat. I was fine with the bat, but if it's a fucking face on my second floor apartment. Well, no, it wasn't a face. Okay, you fucking liar. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to paraphrase the first two-thirds of Autumn's letter because it's a little bit long, um, but it is important that we know this um, backstory. I'm not going to paraphrase the beginning because it's so cute. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Autumn writes, before I say anything about how fucked up I am, thank you so, so much for this podcast. You guys are wonderful and hilarious. Your advice is so healthy and your friendship makes me jealous in the best possible way. Oh, and Sierra, your poetry kicks ass, but you know that already. Ooh. I mean, I don't, but. (laughs) She does. uh, (laughs) Trigger warning, my letter will discuss sexual slash verbal slash emotional abuse, self-harm, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I see a therapist for all this. Okay. So I'm going to start paraphrasing now. Sam, um, Mm -hmm. so Autumn tells us she is a woman in her mid-20s and that she's been seeing a guy for about two months. But most of her relationships are pretty short-lived and that she either has flings or vague, confusing relationships will go on and off for months or years. Sure. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, She also says that she doesn't, apparently doesn't like to be locked in. Like that's what she feels about herself. Oh, Girl, I know. I feel that. <laughs> Says the married man. Okay, but before we get into that, this letter is essentially about this relationship and how she approaches relationships. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, a couple backstory factors at play here. One, she had a really fucked up um, stepfather when she, she lived in, uh, lived with, um, who uh, gave her a lot of mental health baggage because he had a lot of anger issues and was violent and um, was really verbally abusive to her. Okay. Add to that, um, a partner from three years ago um, has invoked some panic attacks now Mm -hmm. um, because back then he was very sexually and mentally abusive Mm -hmm. and um, would uh, just go from being super nice and like building her up to being super verbally abusive and also um, definitely crossed some lines sexually with her multiple times. Um, And that has left her with this sense of distrust um, for men in general and of intimacy and the vulnerability that is required in relationships and um, a lot of anxiety. Um, As she said, she is seeing a therapist for all this, but that brings me to um, Autumn Wright's um, I have had other relationships that were less abusive um, than the, the one I just mentioned, yep. um, but it all seems like the majority of men will lie and say whatever they um, will to get them what they want. They will apologize and do it a thousand times again. They will say they love you, and then a week later, um, find out you find out it was all for sex. It doesn't matter if you are blunt and asked directly. Mm-hmm. I get to thinking about this, all of this, and it makes me feel like I'm in a world where men are built to simply tear others down. Deep down, I truly don't believe that all men are like this, but I have a hard time trusting the occasional good guys that come around. Or when I do, it ends up that they're just trash, too. <laughs> I'm basically in an open relationship at the moment. I don't want to commit because I don't want to feel like I'm giving up my freedom to someone who will hurt me. I'm not sure how much of that is because of my past or how much of that is me wondering if we're a great match or not. He's 16 years older than I am for starters. But there are other small things that make me hesitant. 
Overall, the guy I'm dating is very sweet at, at, and seems to provide a safe space to open up. He's a mental health social worker and appears extremely understanding when I do tell him the little bits of my past. Lately, he's been sad that I don't open up enough. He says that I'm guarded, and I agree. I tell him I don't want to bring up my past because I feel stupid for talking about it and not being over it. These things profoundly affect me in an often devastating way when I really think about them. I tend not to think about it or cope with it through humor or by working a lot since I find my job extremely fulfilling. He says he's willing to be patient, but he does not want me. He does want me to know that if he gets to a point where he feels like I'll never open up to him, he doesn't think he can continue to be invested. I think that's extremely understandable, yet my default is to still remain closed off and have a, quote, fuck it attitude. Relationships can be extremely triggering for me with self-harming behavior, whether the person is kind to me or not. I know this is selfish and it's so painful to face my trauma. But it's so fa- painful to face my trauma. I can't bear the thought of trying to put in the work with him in this relationship and then feel betrayed. I think it would truly break me. How do I learn to put in the work with him or whoever else instead of avoiding my fucked up brain? I don't want to live like every man is going to be a garbage human. But at least when I believe that, I don't risk looking like an idiot or having mm. my spirit crushed once again. Really, any input on everything I said would be really appreciated. I'm sick of being constantly cynical and closed off and basically sabotaging my relationships anytime there's hope. Mm. Okay, Autumn, I love this letter. Thank you so much for writing. I apologize for paraphrasing, and I hope I did it justice. Um, I think that what you're experiencing is, let me first say, more common than you think, that you are not alone in this feeling. Yep. And that your trauma is scary, right? But it does not define you, and you are definitely not alone in it. Yep, absolutely. So first of all, um, yeah, I think it's very easy to believe that all men are awful. um, Because I think that they're, especially for people who have experienced trauma with men, like it's very difficult to to not just look at men and only see toxic masculinity. And that and for the people out there thinking like, oh, not all men. I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going to jump down your throat. I'm going to say really quickly that the masculinity so often presents on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. And so often that sliding scale it's it like to be honest for me, I do get anxious around like broy frat guys because I inherently relate that to people like our fucking Supreme Court (laughs) justice, right? Like a person who's going to commit sexual assault. Like it, that's why I mean by sliding scale is that like, it does like those things look the same. And so it's hard not to be triggered by masculinity because there's so much toxic masculinity that is in our culture that doesn't traumatize, but they are cousins with the, with the masculinity that does. For sure. And I, um, because of my trauma, like I view most straight men as bullies because like, that is what I learned from a young age was what straight men did to me. Right. Um, and so I, I think that the idea that um, you're walking through this world viewing all men as awful is an extension of the trauma that you face. And I don't want to um, – I want to sort of pull that back, but I also want to say that that feeling is is valid. Like you are feeling that and that 
and it is a, a product of what you have been through. And it is absolutely understandable that you would arrive at a place where you would think that all men are awful. Right. Um, and I will say to you that if you want to, you can exist in this world as a cynical person who thinks that all people are out to get her. Like, <laughs> if you want to, absolutely. And that mm-hmm. is that is something that a lot of people, I think, do. It is a, a way to operate in this world. But what I will say is that there is a multitude of wonderful experiences out there if you can find a way to stop seeing all men as awful and figure out a way to open up to people who are asking you to do it. Right. Totally. And I think I'll pick up there and just say, um, Autumn, that it is exactly what you are afraid is going to feel like. (laughs) Meaning, (laughs) well, no, that's not true. What I'm trying to say is it is uncomfortable. It is terrifying to put your heart in someone else's hand and say, like, don't fuck with this. Like, Mm -hmm. please don't break this. Right. But that is what we are doing every day in our social, emotional, romantic relationships, even in our friendships and our familial relationships. We are asking people. We are saying, I don't trust you, but here is my heart. Please take care of it. Yep. Right. Um, And and. If you lean into that even just a little bit, right? If you recognize that your heart was made to feel all of this, your heart was made to be broken and to heal and to be broken again, and to recognize that this huge chasm of emotional experiences is is for us to feel. And the more we lean into that discomfort, the more it becomes a teacher and it actually strengthens us, the more comfortable we are and the more capable we are of being emotionally vulnerable. Absolutely. And it is, it is work, you know, and I, it's work. (laughs) I would love to say that it suddenly, suddenly something like a switch turns on and you're like, oh, it's all out. And it just feels so good to like have it all out there. Yeah. But the, the reality is, is that talking about past trauma and being vulnerable with people does take time and it does take work. It gets easier as you go along as, as you have, you know, talked about more stuff in your past, that stuff that you don't have to talk about again, Right. but it does take work. But it sounds like you have been through so much already. You have been through emotional, uh, stepfather. You have been through an emotionally abusive relationship. Like you are, you have made your way through that. Yes. Like this in comparison to the amount of strength that you've already shown is nothing. Totally. If you have survived all of that trauma, the 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 act of talking about it is so much less work than it is to to be resilient and get through that pain. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with you, Sam. <laughs> I love what you just said because it what I'll add to that is just like where is the reservoir that of strength that got you through that? Yep. And can you can you can you find that within yourself that, that, um, reserve and say, um, like, fuck a heartbreak. Like I have, like, I dare you to break my heart, motherfucker. (laughs) Like I have been through hell and back and, and I'm here to love and be loved. And if you can't do that well to me, like I'm going to, I'm going to mourn you and move on. Right. Um, I think we talk so much here about, um, tenderness, but there is a strength in this, right? Like you Autumn, our friend, you are a survivor and you can survive if this man leaves you. You can survive alone and you can survive with your heart in someone else's hand. Absolutely. And I go ahead. 
No, and I just think that, um, and I've said this many, many times, but we all think that we are uniquely fucked up yes. and like uh, uniquely unlovable. And I want to tell you that there have been there have been people who have been through different types of trauma. There have been people who have been through awful things. There have been people who have been through absolutely no trauma in their life. And every one of them is thinking that they are the most fucked up one. Right. Right. We're all sitting here thinking that everyone else has it together. And what I want to tell you is, is that there is no amount of fucked up that you can be that is not lovable. Right. And so revealing the the parts of you that you think are fucked up and having them be received by another person and continued to love is one of the most gratifying experiences, totally. though it is painful to do it the first time. Totally. Yeah. I just believe in that action so much. That's why I love being a poet, being a storyteller, like people, the act of having your story out there and received by others mm-hmm. is cathartic. Absolutely. Right? And you being able to articulate your experience to someone else is not only them bearing witness, but it's it's an articulation to yourself. Yep. And you can that articulation is empowerment. You can claim it in a way. And and I always say on this podcast, like everybody shits their pants. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me flip that for a second and say, mm-hmm. regardless of anyone's past trauma, everyone cries and 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 like cries when talking about something un- uncomfortable. Yep. And everybody has something that they're unable to talk about really smoothly. Absolutely. Right. Or like something that they want they'd rather avoid. Like for me, I, I get really anxious talking about money. I have a lot of money shame. Mm-hmm. And that is always something that evokes immediate physical reaction for me. Also, for me and my own mental health history, like we talked about this in the beginning, like how do you tell people about your baggage? Like that is that is vulnerability. And I just want to remind you that everybody will meet you where you're at, Um, like your your current partner right now. He has heard things worse and better than what you're going to tell him. And he's mm-hmm. going to love you before and afterwards. Absolutely. And so if Sam and I are inviting you to find, to, to, to dig deep and find that well of resilience within you and tell yourself that you have survived much worse mm-hmm. and that you would rather lean into this immediate discomfort, into this pain of facing that trauma now then bury it deeper within you because it will only get more and more sick. Absolutely. If you keep it underneath, it's going to only get more and more sick. And so we want to invite you to lean into that discomfort, open your heart and risk getting hurt. That's what we're asking you to do. Yep. And you can do it. We believe in you. We do. We love you. We hope this helps. Thank you. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show in which we set you up with something we think is awesome. This week, our blind date is... An Instagram account called Cheap Old Houses. (laughs) You know what it is? Yeah, you sent me a $90,000 old mansion in upstate New York. You were like, if you want to move here, you can buy this. It's just old houses that are, like, really cheap and falling apart, but, like, are so beautiful in their brokenness, which I feel like is a great (laughs) metaphor for what we do here on this podcast. <laughs> what do you, uh, what, what turned you on to it originally? Um, I think they talked about it in a podcast that I listened to, but mm-hmm. it's just fun to be like, it's such a departure from what I normally follow. And it's yeah. just like fun to see all of these houses from across the country and like really weird places that you never heard of that were like built by all of these like weird people that have these strange stories. And then this house is like, 
$70,000 and it's like falling apart, but you could buy it and fix it up. And and if we could talk about for a second, like, uh, I love that you said it's a departure from what you look at on Instagram. Like, there's nothing in there that's going to make you hate yourself. No, no. <laughs> there's nothing that's going to make you like emotionally insecure or whatever. Like, it does diversify your content quite a bit. For sure. And sometimes I follow up with people who have purchased the houses. So, oh, like, cute. see what they look like once they're renovated, which is really fun to see, like, something that was once... Totally. Unloved be turned into someone's home. Awesome. All right. So that is our blind date for episode 28. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is where you can also find our merchandise. Uh, please don't for- forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you like, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. If you give us $5 a month, you'll get a additional episode every week of us just talking about Shooting the shit and answering Patreon um, subscribers' letters. Absolutely. Uh, this really helps us keep the lights on, and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording and editing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you made it here today to this very moment, and that fact is worth celebrating. You have a wealth of strength inside you that has gotten you to this point and it's going to get you to tomorrow release all of the past and live fully in this present moment and recognize that you are a badass and you are choosing to be in this moment you're choosing to lean into the discomfort and to learn from all this magical mess that is love and if all else fails just break up <laughs>